Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Greg Schindler, CEO at RMI International, which is apparently the only longevity institute treating the cellular aging process. And Greg, I also hear you have the most innovative stem cell therapy available. So welcome to the show. Good morning, Birgit. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm happy to be speaking with you. I know you from in our mutual friend, Jeff Chateau, who says you're just an amazing leader. And then I was looking at your team and I'm like, wow, you all seem to be amazing. One of your team members is Dr. Vincent Giampapa, and he's been nominated for Nobel Prize twice. So would you say part of your success in expanding to four different offices and I mean, you're exploding in growth as we speak. Is it because you're together with the A team or what would you say are one of the reasons that you've succeeded? So that's a great question. You know, I think it always comes to back to people, right? I mean, Dr. G and Papa has had an incredible vision for the last two decades, really. You know, he was a successful plastic surgeon up on the East Coast. And quick fun fact, he did the first facelift on live television. He did it on the Phil Donahue show. So mm -hmm. it's going back a little ways, right? Mm -hmm. But he, he had this very successful practice up there, but he started questioning what was the origin of these imperfections that he was covering up through his plastic surgery practice, right? Like why were people aging and why was this happening? And it nagged at him and nagged at him to the point that he became really I guess a good word would be obsessed with trying to understand it. And he took him down the rabbit hole of the cellular aging and, and trying to learn. And a couple of decades ago, we didn't have a lot of science and technology to validate some of these hunches that he had. So fast forward two decades, science has caught up to allow us to validate through objectivity in the data, a lot of these concepts that he had around cellular aging. And along the way, he did pick up two Nobel Prize nominations, and one was for uh, cellular aging research. And he actually keynoted at the Vatican for the second annual conference that the Pope had on cellular aging research. And he picked up a Goosey Prize and a couple of others along the way. So he's got this pedigree in understanding how do we as humans age? And it all comes back to ourselves at a cellular level. And so one of the reasons that I think to answer your question that we've been successful and had such rapid growth is we took these really incredible concepts that we can now validate with science and with data and, and have objectivity. And then we added a business team in it and you said it, it's A players. I have 41 people currently on staff in the company. I do a review monthly on everyone and I don't have a single B player on the team. Everyone is what we call a rock star A player. And to me, that defines someone who's disciplined in thought and in action and is understands what accountability looks like, understands their key numbers that they're responsible for and how they impact the greater mission and shows up every day. One of our core values is show up ready. And another one is grit. And to me, an A player is someone that that is almost innate. It's who they are. They can't be another way. Mm. So having a team that can execute on a daily basis and put the patient experience as the you know, number one non-negotiable is to me how we've been able to scale and be as successful as we have in such a short amount of time. 
Well, so it sounds like another reason for your successes, your processes, and making sure that the patient is is taken care of. But I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering, how did you get to be so good at assembling an A player team? Do you use any profiles? Is it just natural? How do you know if someone's going to be that or not? That's another great question. You know, there's a lot of tools that you can use that, you know, assess someone's strengths and weaknesses and whether or not the position you're hiring for that person's strengths are going to play into them being a successful member of that team. We do layers of interviews, layers of screening. I like to spend time, especially with anyone that's going to be um, in a leadership role to really try to get to understand this person, you know, and I think that past performance is an indicator of, of future success. And I'm not a person who believes that we're hiring someone off a resume. I spend a tremendous amount of time focused on culture. And our business is really interesting and unique because we operate in two countries. We're a yes. U.S. business that actually delivers our products and services in Costa Rica. And, you know, it was, it was interesting years ago, I was going to do business overseas and I knew very little about business and even less about doing business internationally. And I knew enough to know that at least. And I sought out a friend of my dad's who was an international business consultant. And I asked him to go to lunch and I said, look, I'm going to do business internationally. And I was just looking for some advice and some coaching. And he shared some things with me, but at the end of the lunch, he said something to this day serves me really well. And I've never forgotten it. And he said, Greg, you have to remember that Americans are, you know, the only people that'll stand on a street corner in Baharan and say, look at all the foreigners. He said, it's just kind of how we view ourselves. And he said, you're the foreigner, you're the guest in their country. And, you know, you need to remember that about the way they do things. And mm. it served me really well then. And in going down to Costa Rica, I understood that lesson really well. Culturally, Costa Rica is one of the blue zones. It's where people live longer and live healthier lives. There's five in the world and Costa Rica is one of them. Mm. And one of the reasons is they have this incredible focus on a work-life balance. Their family life and their downtime or their fun time, if you will, is equally as important to them. Mm. And that we know that that plays into longevity, mm -hmm. lower stress, and a lot of other components and factors that go into it. So going down there, you had to realize too, that we needed to, to have a, a good balance that took into account their culture and their way of doing things and respect it and honor it. And I think that that was one of the key ingredients that allowed us to be able to operate both, you know, in two different countries and two different cultures. Well, for a guy who's known to only have two gears of stop and go fast, I wonder how you managed to, to mix the two. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a challenge, right? It, and that is so true. I do. I, I have two gears, stop and go fast. And so consequently, I've had to choose the things I do in life very carefully. But, you know, I, I look, I think that this probably would have been lost on me 10, 15 years ago. And I'd like to think, you know, with some successes and some failures along the way, we've learned a few things. And I will tell you this, the patient experience, I believe leave we could not have replicated it in the U.S. the way it happens in a, and shows up for people in Costa Rica. And it has to do with the people and it has to do with the way they they approach, you know, interactions with people and, and their, their lives and their work ethic and how they go about things. They care deeply and passionately while they're in it. And but yeah. when it's time to go away and be with family and, and decompress on the weekend or whatever, or, you know, on a vacation or a holiday, they're able to do that as well. But yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, so that that leads me to the next question which is, you know, did you ever struggle in managing people? I think that empowering people to do the jobs that you've asked them to do, helping them understand their accountabilities, 
giving them the resources and the room to show up um, and and do the job in the way that that they're going to do it right and just because it's the way i think it should be done or i envisioned it being done doesn't necessarily mean that's the right way so we have another saying at rmi and it's the best idea wins it doesn't have to be mine it doesn't have to be yours it just has to be the best idea for the business and that takes a lot of the ego out of you know where we source the next good idea and so i think there's a lot of trust and a lot of respect that you've hired the right person and you've empowered that person to do their job. And when that's happening, you really, the managing is, is to me more about guiding for focus. Are we focused on the right things today that are going to lead us to the next, you know, the quarterly rock. And I think, are we focused on the things that are the miles, the right milestones that are going to lead us to our quarterly rocks and, and execute as a, a well as a team. And, and I think it's just really kind of guidance in that direction from a management standpoint. So Greg, was there a moment where you realized you had a blind spot or the, that you we're like, hey, I, I need to do something different. Yeah, for me, Birgit, I think the blind spot has been delegating. I've used this analogy before. It's like when you're raising your children and you're, you want them to clean their room and you're watching them clean their room and it's super painful, right? Because you mm-hmm. know you could do it in five minutes, but you know, you're watching this hour long process <laughs> go down. And, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, employees are like the kids or whatever, but it's that it's letting them learn and discover. And my blind spot has been being able to delegate and trust that that's going to be done. Well, it is no longer a blind spot, it sounds like. So what was the moment that you caught yourself and went, oh, I'm doing this? You know, I think sometimes it's easier to see things in others when you you wear a cape and you think ah, I'm going to save the day or I'm going to come in and I'm just going to get all these things done. And, and you're around other people who wear capes too. And they're, you know, supermen and superwomen and they're super capable and, and competent. You see it in them and mm. you start to recognize it in yourself. Oh. So for me, I think I was like, oh, I'm doing the very same thing that I'm watching <laughs> this person do. Okay. No, you're right. And that's why this uh, podcast tends to be something that is easy for other leaders to learn from. So thank you for sharing yours because you're right. Sometimes it's easier to discover your own when you're listening to someone else. And then on that note, I know you've been through some crisis in life. So do you have another tip or two for you know new leaders or, or leaders who are struggling with crisis? Patience has come late for me in life. I was not the most patient person when I was younger and I got in a hurry. And and I think that sometimes when you do that, you tend to skip some of the foundational steps that are going to be super important as you start to scale a business and grow a business. And when you do a lot of that upfront work and that heavy lift in the beginning, you get a really clear idea of who you are and your purpose and your mission and your your true north, if you will. I'm a huge believer in core values. They're not just a sign on the wall for me. They're something that we embody and we practice every day. And when we are faced with a decision that's a fork in the road, you know, something we really want but may not be in alignment with with who we are or where we're going or our strategy at that point in time, your core values bring you back to your true north. And a lot of that work is done up front. And for me, being patient through that process really allowed us, we launched in the pandemic. We we opened the doors in April of 2021. And fortunately, the pandemic 
gave people a lot of time to step back. And we've all heard this, and I think it's it's an overuse, but it's a very accurate cliche when you're working in your business. It's you have to take time to step back and work on your business, right? And mm-hmm. and I know we've all heard that and it's been used a lot, but it, one of the reasons is because it's true. And the pandemic gave us an opportunity to do that, right? And yes, it was crisis, and yes, it was scary, and yes, we had closed the doors and we had people we were still paying. And it was uncertain and it was, it was bad and just all the way around. And I took that time to, to start incubating ideas and start thinking about things like processes and, and what we could do differently and better when, when the dust settled, if you will, or when we started to, to resume operations again. And for me, that served us really well because I had a lot of time to think about the business and and work on the business and not so much in the firefight every day in a fast growth business, you're going to find yourself in that firefight daily. And yeah. you, you, the struggle is to be able to step away, to make that time to be intentional about thinking about strategy and executing on that strategy and what's most important in the next 90 days. And so I think that being patient and letting that process unfold, if you will, and and being intentional about it, for me was a huge breakthrough in being able to to take a business from from one level to the next, especially during crisis, especially during crisis. Well, and Greg, it sounds to me like one of your values actually is, is foundational to make it through crisis. And if I heard you correctly, you said one of your values is show up you know, you showed up during the crisis and didn't quit. It's true. It's really about accountability. You know, I hold myself accountable and and every team member holds themselves accountable. It's really helpful when you know what you're accountable for, right? When things are specific and measurable. Yeah. Show up ready. You know what you're accountable for, you know, when it's time to show up, you know, show up and and have it done. And that's where you go back to people. You and I've talked about this too, Birgit, where, you know, at the end of the day, you can have the best strategy in the world. You can even have a, a really well laid out execution plan, but it's going to always come back to people executing on that vision to, to move the business forward. And that's yes. where, that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Wow. Well, I'm so grateful you were willing to share your wisdom on this podcast. I, I know if they, they want to know more about your company, it's rmi-international.com. I'll put that in the description, but really appreciate what you do, how you do it, and that you were, again, willing to share a couple of great tips for other leaders to learn from. Thank you so much for having me. And I yeah, really appreciate it. I love these kinds of conversations and I am grateful. Thank you.